0: Shalom, welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean Mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those, through this program. We're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion@gmail.com at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, any time. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end, where we're also going to share some exciting offers for you. And please feel free to share this with others who you know will also find it of interest. So if you're a history buff like I, you know that this week is the anniversary from 1979 of the Iranian Revolution. Um famous for a lot of things growing up in America, as I as I did, remembering that uh, season and, and part of American history with the taking of the American embassy and the hostages for over a year. Um, recently, most made famous, I think, by the movie Argo, which I always like watching in the middle of the night because it really does depict something that was really significant then and is still today. And I wanted to have a conversation. Iran, if you follow what's going on in the in the news uh, today, specifically with an eye on the Middle East, you know that Iran is playing an imp- well I don't know if it's an important role or it's a significant role but a role that relates to here in Israel and the wider middle east so i want to have a we're going to have a fabulous conversation today with a guest who I've just met I'm so excited to host who's an Iranian who grew up uh who grew up in in iran uh was born just before the nineteen seventy nine revolution and her name is marzi uh oh Amir Amirza Amirzadeh. Close yes. enough? Did yes. I get it? That's correct. Okay, good. I'm glad. So Marzi, as I said, is an Iranian immigrant to the US. She was born just before the Iranian Revolution that toppled the Shah in 1979 and swept radical Islam into power, which has which has been the rule in Iran since. More than 20 years ago, through the grace of God, Marzi became a Christian, despite growing up under the authoritarian Islamic regime, where children were indoctrinated by the government. After becoming a Christian, Marzi shared her faith with fellow Iranians by distributing thousands of Bibles, and I want to hear about that, and participating in the underground Iranian church. In 2009, she was arrested in Tehran for promoting Christianity, and was thrown into the notorious Irvin prison, which is one of the most brutal prisons, not just in Iran, but the world. While in prison, Marzi endured months of mental and physical hardships, including intense interrogation. She was sentenced to death by hanging, remember, for simply being a Christian. Finally, under pressure from human rights and Christian organizations, the Iranian government released Marzi and she immigrated to the United States, where she became an American citizen. Marzi moved to Atlanta and enrolled in Georgia Tech University, where she received her bachelor's and master's degree in international affairs and just before we began uh recording i was we were speaking about our um respective fluency in languages that are not our original languages and i was complimenting her that just being in america 11 years being able to communicate the way she does, getting a bachelor's and a master's degree, and being an accomplished author really speaks a lot to her capabilities. She's an author, she's a public speaker, an activist for religious freedom, and has been a candidate for Georgia's House District 67. Her first book, which I I haven't read yet, but I'm dying to get a copy of, Captive in Iran, recounts her capture and imprisonment and was published in April 2013. Marzi has also shared her inspiring story in the United States and around the world in order to bring awareness to people and policymakers about the ongoing human rights violations and persecution of religious minorities in Iran. And we're going to speak about that a bit today as well. Marzi's primary mission is to warn fellow Americans that freedom must be cultivated and defended. Marzi feels a deep gratitude to the U.S. and its people, which have given her so much in a relatively short time. She feels a responsibility to stand up and to serve and to encourage her fellow Americans to fight for their values, their faith, and their freedom. Now, Marzi's second book, A Love Journey with God, was recently uh, released and is available on Amazon. Also, I'm dying to get a copy, and I encourage you to as well. A Love Journey with God recounts how Marzi found God, the struggles she experienced as a Christian woman in an Islamic country, and how God can turn any situation into a triumph. Marzi, it's such a delight to have you. Welcome to Inspiration from Zion.
1: Thank you so much, Jonathan, for having me on uh, your program. Uh, it's truly an honor for me to share my story through your uh, platform with is- Israeli people.
0: Yeah. Now, 20 years ago, if we were having this conversation and you were in Iran, you would get in trouble for having a conversation with somebody in Israel, wouldn't you?
1: Of course. Uh, any connection with uh, um jewish people uh and doing interviews, whatever they consider us uh like spying uh for israel and right now, I'm doing that interview with you if uh any time in future they arrest me, they will charge me with uh spying for uh israel
0: well god i I pray that I pray that the that they will leave you alone and you will continue to yes. to thrive but but there are many other people for whom we need to pray. Um, who can't even have or hear this conversation. As it happens recently, I was just checking to see who, how many downloads all of my podcast has received. And I was curious. I rolled the mouse over different parts of the map of the world. No one yet has listened to my podcast in Iran. So maybe, maybe this will be an inspiration to do so, but in a good way, in an inspiring and safe way. So you were born just before the revolution, and I'm sure you don't remember it. But it must have impacted your life through your family. Can you talk about that?
1: Yes, uh, unfortunately I didn't uh, have a chance to live in freedom. And um, as you mentioned, I was born um, just before the revolution uh, in Iran. But I remember from my childhood, I was very curious about uh, freedom, about the time before the revolution. My mom, I remember she had many magazines uh, which called uh, uh, Women of the Day and many books from that time. And I was curious, I was keep reading those uh, magazines and watching uh, and uh, looking at the pictures of women, how they were dressed. And I could see my mom, um, my parents' pictures and they shared lots of great uh, stories with me. Uh, that's why, you know, I I always uh, wanted to experience uh, the same freedom. But from my childhood Uh, I faced Islamic, the harsh Islamic rules, and uh, at the age of seven, when I went to school, uh, they forced us to have compulsory hijab, um, and um, many other Islamic rules that they forced us to obey those Islamic rules at school, and um, I had uh, struggles uh, from my childhood uh, following the Islamic rules. And, uh, I experienced many hardship from my childhood at home in the society uh, because, you know, they, Indoctrinated children like my brothers, um, their attitude toward women that, uh, I'm not as equal as wow. to them. Um, and they always look me down, even though they were my brothers, because they were taught at school that women are not equal with men in the society. I had lots of uh, struggles. And I remember uh I was in high school that um even in the high school, uh, I was witness to the torture of women, like one of my classmates uh she was like um uh ten years old that she uh did her eyebrow because she had a thick eyebrow, and after doing that, Uh, the manager of the school came to uh, my class and uh, um, she uh, grabbed her hair and dragged her on the ground uh, all over the school in order to make her as an example to other students that she's um, a bad girl, like a prostitute, why she touched her eyebrow and um, I I was witness to many horrible things from my childhood like this not only at schools but also in the society as a woman because women um, under Islamic rules do not have equal rights with men and I experienced all those hardships um, at school at home in the society in my workplace everywhere And uh, it's very difficult for Iranian uh, women, and I understand their situation, because um, women uh, in Iran do not have equal rights with men. They cannot sing, they cannot dance, they can't ride a bicycle, they cannot travel without getting permission from their husbands uh, out of Iran, and recently they... I uh, made another law that, um, uh, women, uh, uh, cannot travel, um, um, you know, it, without getting permission, um, um, from uh, a male person in, in their home, like a father, a brother, a sure. husband should, you know, control their life. And there are many uh, rules that you know that they, um, there are many discriminately and misogynist laws against women in did Iran. You,
0: did you ever feel that it was normal? You grew up knowing nothing different, but it sounds like from a very young age you knew that there that it wasn't right.
1: No, it it wasn't normal to me because you know, uh, as I mentioned, uh, my parents always shared great uh, stories that um, they had before the revolution, and I could see their pictures how they were free to choose what they wanted to wear. They were wearing shirts and nice clothes. And um, I could see, you know, the pictures of my relatives, the stories that they shared with me. That's why, to me, from my childhood, I always was fighting against these um, rules against me. And uh, I had many challenges. As I said, at school, at home, I... From my childhood, I always was fighting against these harsh rules, and I didn't like it. I couldn't believe that. Why? What's the problem? And I always um, had to compete with my brothers to prove myself that I am equal as you. Why I should do that? Um, And to me, it didn't make sense that they told me that you are half of a a man, and I couldn't accept such a thing.
0: Well, I understand that. Did you growing up have friends who girl- girlfriends who also felt this way or or were you unique in standing out and and resisting
1: you know um most of the girls had the same feeling um but they had fear to fight against it and um I could see many girls they were silent and they were obeying. Um because you know they were controlled by their fathers, by their uh husbands, by their you know brothers, and um they had so much fear and also by the regime, because you know f- even for walking in the streets, we had so much stress because the morality police were everywhere to arrest you for crazy reasons for just not having a proper islamic hijab having nail polish having um wearing um boots wearing uh, nice sunglasses for whatever really? reason women could get arrested and that's why you know most of um women and girls um during the time that i was living in iran they They try to obey, to be silent uh, against these harsh rules. But from my childhood, I always, I was uh, a kind of troublemaking uh, girl. I always try to fight against these harsh rules. For example, I loved riding my bike. And from my childhood, I was riding a bicycle and uh, in front of, um, you know, our home. And we had a neighbor uh, who was a cleric and his wife uh, always stopped me in the street and telling me that you should uh, not r- ride your bicycle. You are a girl. And I always complained to my mother why she's interfering in our um yeah. Uh, it's not um, her business that I'm riding my bicycle and my mother tried to be respectful with her because you know um, her husband was a cleric and um, they could uh, make trouble for us sure. but uh, once um, I got so exhausted of you know um, um, she interfering in my matters and I, when she stopped me the last time I looked in her eyes and I told her, hey, this is not your business. I'm riding my bicycle. You should stop sticking uh, your nose in other people's wow. business. And uh, Next time I won't be respectful with you. And I, I started, uh, you know, I began to keep riding and she got so mad at me and she went to my mom and I uh, complained about me that uh, your girl was very disrespectful. And when my mother ask me why you did said such a thing to her. I told her someone needed to stop her. And since you couldn't do that, I did it for you. Wow. You know, I was such a girl from my childhood. I learned to fight for my rights, to fight for my freedoms.
0: So, okay. So th- there, you know, we could have a conversation only about that. And I look forward to being, being able to do that in person here in Israel or in Atlanta. Um, but, but better here. And, but I want to I want to take the conversation in a different direction, because I understand you a lot better with that introduction. And I want to talk about your coming to faith as a Christian. But first, I want to take a quick break, and then we're going to come right back. If you're like most people in the world, you know about the Holocaust, but never met, much less interacted with a Holocaust survivor, or heard their stories of suffering and survival. With the remaining elderly survivors dying at an unprecedented pace, In less than a generation, there will be none alive. Yet, while they did survive, and for that we need to celebrate them, many still suffer trauma from their youth. As they age, they have increasing needs. And living on fixed incomes, sometimes with no pension, things as simple and essential as basic foods, heating in the winter, medicine, and inflation can push someone over the line from surviving to struggling again. It can create stress in their lives that reminds them of the suffering they endured as young people. It's just not acceptable that anyone who suffered as much should struggle with basic needs or any undue stress in their twilight years. I want to invite you to join the Genesis one, two, three foundation to bless the survivors. Yes. We pray that you'll donate personally and do so generously. And when you do, we also give you the opportunity to send your personal blessings and words of encouragement to the survivors themselves to brighten their day and let them feel your love. Having been privileged to provide financial resources to help survivors on a day-to-day basis, I know it makes a difference and is very appreciated. But your personal note that we translate into Hebrew, Russian, or Yiddish really makes them smile and warms their heart. I pray you'll join us by going to genesis123.co slash hugasurvivor. That's genesis123.co slash hugasurvivor. And please share this with others. We can't undo the suffering that they endured, and there's no limit to what the needs are, but we can never do too much to comfort them in their final years. Please join us. God bless you. Okay, Marzi, wow. I'm so impressed. I'm inspired. I'm glad before that you used the word troublemaker because I, it was a word I was going to use, but I was going to say you're speaking to someone who's also a troublemaker. Uh, but I'm glad you used the word first and I and I respect you for that. Yeah, now,
1: even, even at school, they called me a troublemaker. The troublemaker,
0: wow. <laughs> so among Christians, it's very common to talk about sharing one's testimony, how you came to faith. And obviously everyone comes to faith in a different way as a jewish person born jewish it's it's something that that we don't come to other people convert to judaism but typically you're born into judaism and however you observe and practice and your relationship with god is 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 unique but not so with christians and christianity and coming to faith is a big deal and i'm always inspired when my christian friends Tell me that they know the anniversary. Like it's it's the it's a it's the the being born again. That's their spiritual birthday. Your your testimony. Your coming to faith as a Christian is all the more remarkable because you did so in a place that was hateful to Christians and Christianity. Can you share what happened? Where did is there a date that you know or or not? But is there an event? How did you come to uh, come to your faith?
1: Uh, as you know um iran has a terrible um record of suppressing um human rights and uh, persecuting religious minorities it's not just uh christians jews christians uh bahais and uh sunnis everyone who has a different faith are uh, are getting persecuted by the islamic republic regime right after the revolution in 19 19- 79. Um, but despite all these persecution, praise God, I found Jesus Christ more than 20 years ago and I became a Christian. And it wasn't just, um, it didn't happen one day. Um, uh, it's, um, uh, from my childhood, I was very curious about, uh, God to find the truth. And I was seeking, uh, the truth and I could not, um, accept the God that was introduced uh, to us, um, um, to Muslim, uh, a God who always um, wanted to punish you for committing the slightest sins. And the way that they describe God to us at school and through Islamic books to us, I couldn't accept it. Uh, it was a God who was very far from you that you cannot have a close relationship with him and he is always ready to punish you. And they would describe different kinds of tortures to us at school. Uh, I remember they would tell us that, uh, for example, if you show a a little part of your hair um, and after you die, um, God will um, torture you. He will, um, you know, hang you with your own hair. Uh, And I can't, I can't explain it. It's difficult for me, um, in English to describe it, um, how they describe, uh, God to us in Islam. That's why I could not accept such a defini- definition of God, because to me, uh, I always compared God with, um, my father. I, I had a very great relationship with my father from my childhood, and I could not accept that, that um the God who created me would do such a things to me. And also I wanted to, um, you know, have a close relationship with him. I wanted to get to know him, but they told me the only way that um you can get to know God is by obeying the Islamic rules. That's why I started, you know, um, Reading Quran, praying Namas for two years, um, it wasn't because I was a Muslim, because I was curious to find the truth. And I had lots of questions and I challenged my theology uh, teachers at school, like, you know, I was asking uh, why I have to speak to my God in Arabic. Uh, which ah, is not my language. My right. native language is Farsi. Why I have to cover myself, I, I mean a long black or white whale when you wanted to worship God. Why I have to bend in front of him uh, like a big king in specific times. If I talk to him in another time, he wouldn't listen to me. You know, as wow. a child it's still still, um, you know, I could understand that these are lies about God. But still, I, I uh, as I said, I started, you know, obeying these um, Islamic rules in order to, uh, to find out if that make me closer to him and help me to get to know God. I was very thirsty from my childhood, as I mentioned, to get to know God. And finally, for the first time, God spoke to me through uh, one of my dreams. And the first dream that I had, it was a white horse. Uh, that I saw in my dream, and through that white horse, it's a long story. I try to make it brief, but people can read it in my both my books. Um, through that white horse, God revealed the true face of Islam to me, and also uh, He revealed His love to me. And after you know experiencing the love of God in that dream, um, that make me made me shocked that how much God loves us. Uh, as a human being, and um, after that dream, I didn't know, <clears throat> sorry, I didn't know anything about Jesus at that time, and after that dream, experiencing the love of God in that dream, I decided to put aside all my religious duties, and I um, I was thinking that the best thing, um, best way is to talk to God in my own language, like talking to my father, and uh one day, one of my friends talked to me about uh, Christianity and about Jesus. She has converted to uh, Christianity. And she shared about Jesus, uh, that Jesus is the son of God who, who came to this uh, earth to free us from our sins. And I couldn't believe that because uh, to me, Jesus was only a prophet. And uh, I could not believe that he was a, he was the son of God and who he came to this earth to make to save me um, but since i was curious i got the bible i started reading and other dreams uh, happened uh, i had more dreams um miracles started happening i had uh the experience of healing the first time that i attended uh in a church and you know during this time um it was like you know a year that i I was experiencing uh, God. I was, um, you know, in relation, in such relationship with sure. him. And um, I had the experience of healing, as I mentioned, and I began began to believe in uh, Jesus. But still, you know, reading Bible, I had lots of questions um, about the Holy Spirit. I never experienced such a thing. And um the day that um one day I had a very great experience uh with god uh that was the day that I received the um the flames of the Holy spirit, and uh it was the day I was in my room alone I was praying to God, I received the uh flames of the Holy Spirit. And I began to pray in tongues, which is one gift in a Bible that Jesus promised a lot of gifts after you gave your heart to Jesus. And I started praying in languages that I never learned in my life. And while I was praying, worshiping him, I saw Jesus uh, for a few seconds right in front of me. He was in a white clothes and beside him, there was a large throne, which was covered with shining golds. And I could not believe my eyes that I was seeing such a thing. And I was crying at that time because it was the first time I could experience God very close to me. And, um, it took like hours I could not stop my mouth uh I was keep worshiping him and um I couldn't understand the the words that I was telling to yeah. God at that time but I knew what I was telling to him uh uh-huh. even though I didn't know what languages I was talking to him and it was after that great experience that I um that i found out that jesus is the truth and i um all my doubts were disappeared um sure. at that time and i dedicated my whole life to jesus from that day on
0: and and what did your family think first what did your family know about this and what did they think about this
1: um you know, majority of Iranians like um, my family members are not prejudiced Muslims. They are just born as a Muslim because in Iran, you don't have any choice. As soon as you born there, they fill the documents and you are a Muslim. I had this discussion with my, my first judge in the court that he told me you were a Muslim that converted to Christianity. And I told him, no, why you say that I was a Muslim? I never been a Muslim. I, tr- I practice Islam t- in order wow. to find out the truth. But in Iran, there is no choice for me to choose, to choose my faith, to choose my religion. And my family members, they were not prejudiced Muslim uh, like me. And um, uh, it's a long story. I shared my whole story in my second book, A Love Journey with God. I was separated uh, from my family for um many years, but um, um I I went to them and I shared my faith with them and praise God. Uh, Most of them came to the Christ and they gave their hearts to Jesus, too.
0: Now, where do they live now?
1: Uh, My father and my sister, they live in America with me, but the rest of my family still are in Iran
0: by choice or um
1: I, I, as i said it's a long story okay. that uh, i Get was separated my mother got divorced from my father many years ago okay. and um my brothers um you know are living in iran i'm not uh, in contact with them um and i was separated um from my family uh for many years um because of you know what my mom did to my father and my brothers betrayal and many things. It's a long. Okay. There are lots of details. I don't want to take time. Fine. I go to my life story
0: for an, for another conversation and for people another good reason for people to get your books. Now I'm fascinated. You, as you you just said it. You gave your whole life to Jesus, and and part of that then was distributing Bibles, not just a few, but thousands. You were out there. You were, I mean, if you were a troublemaker before, my goodness, you must have known this was going to cause you problems, no?
1: Yes, we knew that. Uh, Actually, after, you know, I became uh, a Christian, I, I was thirsty to know more about Christianity. And as you know, in Iran, is not possible. There are many underground churches uh, in Iran, um, but uh, I was thirsty to know more about him. Uh, that's why I had to leave the country. I went to Turkey and it was in 2005 that I met my best friend Mariam Rossampur and we became very close friends like sisters from the beginning. And after finishing some uh, theology and leadership courses um in Turkey, Uh, We returned to Iran uh, because we wanted to give the same message to our people um, and we wanted to share with them what we experienced. And um, for for the first few months, we didn't know what to do. And we were two girls. um, And as I mentioned, women um, are not equal with men. There are many restrictions um, against women. And we prayed, we asked God how we can serve him, how we can share the message of salvation with our people. And he talked to me through Bible and, um, we, we started, we talked to our pastor in London and we asked them to send thousands of, um, Bibles to Iran. Uh. And it was very difficult for them because they had to find an illegal way to, um, you know, to smuggle all sure. those Bibles. They had to print those Bibles and every in, time we was received. Uh, yes, it was a small, um, New Testament and that was, um, very good for, you know, Taking a lot of them with us, and they printed, they send it to Iran. Every time we would receive like a few thousands of Bibles. And, uh, we would carry them, uh, during their nights, uh, and, um, carrying like, you know, 140 New Testaments in our backpacks and put them in the mailboxes. And praise God, as you mentioned, we were able to distribute 20,000 Bibles in Tehran and a few other cities. We took Bibles to even the most holiest. Um, when I say holiest place for Muslims, uh, like you know the shrines that um, in uh, the city of Qom, which is wow. a very religious city, and we took the Bibles even in the into um, the famous shrine that thousands of people every every year go for uh, worshipping. Uh, we felt that we can put you know Bibles there for people. When they go to worship and pray, because people, you know, are ordinary people. They, um, they just, you know, go to these places to have a relationship uh, with God to pray to Him for their needs. And we thought that's the best way uh, to put those Bibles in that place. And many places we, you know, put the Bibles and distribute 20,000 Bibles. Um, praise God, nothing happened to us. When I say nothing, I, um, it wasn't like, you know, it was easy for us to distribute those Bibles. There were many times that we were so close to get caught, and uh, but God saved us.
0: That's amazing. So I want to I wanna take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk to you about you 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 had all of these experiences where you were close to getting caught but you didn't get caught but then one day you did get caught and I want to come back and talk about that I want to pause on the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation This year we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill, they are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers you can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Okay, Marzi, this is fascinating. Um, I I'm I'm grateful, I'm I'm jealous for myself that I get to have this conversation and I know you now, and that means we get to continue this relationship. Um, and other people won't get to have that that privilege. But there's so much more I want to know about you. But now you're in Tehran, you're distributing thousands of Bibles, you're going to the some of the most holy Shiite places in Iran, in the world, and and leaving things indiscreetly for, or I should say discreetly, for people to pick up and and find God on their own. Um, And God protected you. Well, God protected you even in your being arrested, I'm sure. But you did get arrested. How did that come about?
1: Yes, unfortunately, finally, we got arrested. And I knew that because, you know, a few years before I go to prison, God told me in one of my dreams that one day you will pass through prison experience. I didn't know when exactly it's going to happen, but uh, I expected uh, such a thing happen because what we were doing in Iran was dangerous. And it wasn't just distributing Bibles. Um, We were also leading two home churches Uh, We, every day, we we were talking to people and handing them uh, Bibles, uh, like, you know, eating at restaurants, um, going out to do our chores. We always had a few Bibles in our purse, and we would talk to people and giving them um, as a gift to them.
0: Can I interrupt you? Let's pretend that I'm having coffee sitting next to you in a cafe, (laughs) and I'm an average Iranian, assume that I'm a Muslim. How do you approach me to share with me about your faith and give me a Bible? What do you say?
1: Uh, You know, it's, uh, let me share uh, one uh, amazing story. For example, uh, my friend, Mariam, uh, she went out to, she went to a library to purchase a few books and um, she was there. And every time for talking to people, we would pray and ask God to show us, the right person to speak. And right. the conversation would start it immediately, you know, and God would show us that person, um, who is that person that we need to talk. And we would start a, a conversation about weather, about, you know, something. And then uh, we, you know, Iranians are um, very... Uh, kind people they like you know to agree to each other talk to each other that's why they're not like you know close people if you go and talk to them they push back and um, one story that I was sharing that Amaya uh, went to the library to purchase some books and uh, she was looking at the books and she heard a conversation between the manager and one person One a, a man came to the library and he was um, it was a bookstore, sorry. He um he was in Rush and he asked the manager if they have a Bible. And the manager, Mariam told me that got um a little you know suspicious because uh, you can't find Bible in any book stores. And he told the, the man that no, we don't have Bible, we don't sell Bible uh here. And uh, Mariam heard the conversation and she said uh, she waited for him to go out of the bookstore. And as soon as he went out, Mariam went to him and said, hey, I heard your conversation that uh, you were looking to find a Bible. I have a Bible. And he got very excited. And Mariam asked him, may I ask why you were looking uh, for a Bible? And he told Mariam that uh, he had a dream. Last night, and uh, God told him to go to the bookstore, to a bookstore, and purchase a Bible, and then come to a mountain. I wanted to talk to him, and he. That's why he obeyed, and he went to that bookstore, but he didn't know there is no Bible in bookstores. and God, you know, arranged this for Mariam to be at the same time in that yeah. bookstore to give him that Bible. And he had his backpack, uh, backpack, um, and he was ready to go to the mountain. And Mariam told me he, he, he got very excited. He thanked her and got the Bible and rushed. And he said, I, I need to go to the mountain because God wanted to speak to me. There were amazing stories okay. like this that, you know, uh, whenever we went, we went to restaurants to doing, uh, do shopping or do our chores. We would, you know, um, confront with some people uh, like him and some people would share with us that, you know, uh, they were searching to find the Bible for years and they could not find it. And they they got very excited as soon as they heard that we were Christians. And then, you know, uh, as you uh, you ask me how you share your story after opening a conversation, then. You know, I would say that I'm a Christian and th- then I would share my experience with Jesus, that what happened, I gave my heart to Jesus. There are lots of stories that um, it takes a lot, a long time if I wanted to share some of them. Um, but there are amazing the stories that I shared uh, in both my books. Uh, that's how I talk to people about Jesus.
0: So I'm glad I asked. Thank you. Now let's come back to you getting caught. And, and how, so how did that happen?
1: Oh yeah, um, I forgot to mention. Sorry, I uh, know <laughs> I cut you off. Yeah, finally, finally, you know, um, we we don't know exactly what happened. Who, by the way, you're saying it, it with
0: a smile. You're <laughs> happy. It's almost gleeful.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, I always smile. Um, but uh, you know, it was a difficult experience, Jonathan. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm happy because you know. Oh, we were able to talk to many people about our faith outside prison and even in prison. That was a victory to me. That wasn't, you know, a defeat. When we got arrested, um, some people, as I mentioned, they reported about us. We don't know who exactly reported that. Um, but they told us that they, uh, their God, some guards uh, saw us. We were talking, we were talking to people and handing them a Bible. And as a result of that, they, uh, arrested us in 2009 and they sent us to the most horrible jail for 14 days. And after that, they sent us to Evan prison, which is a very notorious and infamous prison in Iran.
0: And without going into all of the details because it's in the book and, and, and there's also not time, but you're in prison for a number of months and you're being subject to physical and emotional harassment. What, what, how did you endure that?
1: Okay, um, let me tell you that, uh, praise God, we were not tortured physically, um, and we were not raped or tortured because this is something that is keep happening in Iranian prison. From the beginning, you know, my sisters, uh, my sister and Mariam's sister immediately after they, uh, noticed that we got arrested, they, Uh, they uh, shared this with our friends outside Iran and other Christians. They started advocating for us immediately. And uh, when uh, a case gets international um, attention, um, the regime usually try not to do horrible things um, because of, you know, their reputation. They wanted to say that uh, we didn't do anything to these people but honestly if uh, it wasn't because of the international um, um, pressure and um, Christians uh, all around the world started immediately advocating for us um, I think one of the reasons that uh, we were not um, uh, tortured physically is because of that Uh, otherwise anything could happen to us.
0: But you were sentenced to death what ended up happening that you you were ended up getting out of prison.
1: Yes, um from the beginning they put pressure on us to deny our faith in Jesus. They one of our charges was apostasy, which is punishable by death. And, um, they told us that you converted from Islam to Christianity. That's why, um, you should be executed. And, uh, we had this conversation in every court. The judges threatened us and they told us that we will execute you if you are, you wanted to insist on your faith during our interrogations. They put pressure on us to deny our faith on Jesus. I remember the last months, uh, the last few months when I was in prison, they told us, if you just write a few sentences, renouncing your faith in Jesus, then we will release you. But I told them, hey, go ahead and hang me, but I'm not going to renounce my faith because I didn't become a Christian because I wanted to change a religion. Uh, to me, Christianity um, is not a religion. It's a relationship. And I shared my testimony with them that how I became a Christian, I met Jesus. I told them I met Jesus. I had all these experience with him. God talked to me through um, my dreams. I remember in one of the courts, uh, when I told the judge that uh, God speaks to me through my dreams, he said, no, no way. He got so angry, mad at me. And he said, there is no way that God speaks to you. And I said, why? And I asked him a question. I told him, could you please tell me if you believe that God, we have it, because in Islam, you believe that uh, we have a mighty God that is able to do everything. And he said, yes, of course, God can do Everything. And I said, okay, if God can, can do everything, he's able to speak to me too. And he said, um, yeah, but, um, God only speak to prophets, to holy, um, people, not people, ordinary people like you. And I said, if God is able to do anything, God is able to speak to me too. You sure. can't tell, uh, that he, he's not able. And, uh, I told him it is, It is God who choose who to talk to, who not to talk to, not you. And he got so mad at me. And at that court, I remember he was very angry uh, about my response. And um, yeah, there were, you know, many ways, uh, as I said, they pressured us uh, to renounce our faith in Jesus. But um, I told them that, you know, I told one of my interrogators, if you cut each part of my body, you're not able to separate Jesus from me. And don't try to um, you know, push us to um renounce our faith in Jesus. And at at the last few months, I remember um once he confessed and he said, I never saw people like you. He was in charge of arresting many Christians, and he said, Honestly, we arrested many Christians, but we never exper- had such experience with two um you know faithful people like you and your friend we are uh, you are very um um uh what we call it it's a strong hat, um and um you are not we are not too able to convince you because they they brought professors they different ways they used to to convince us that we made the wrong decision and we need to um, convert back to Islam. And as I mentioned, they, um, they sentenced us to death by hanging. And in the last court, the judge told us that if you wanted to insist, you will face this and you need to renounce your faith. But, you know, they they understood that they can do such a thing. And because of lots of international pressures, um, many, as I mentioned, many um, international organizations got involved, like Amnesty International, Pope from Vatican sent a letter to government because our news was everywhere. And many uh, Christian uh, organizations started advocating for us. And because of all these pressures, um, and of course, because of God's grace,
0: yeah. they
1: had to release us uh, finally. Um, but we were not safe in Iran. Um, even though they released us, they threatened us. They told us that you can't live as Christians here anymore. Um, you may die in an accident. Your house may catch on fire one day. Uh, because they did the same thing to other Christians, like uh, Pastor Haig, Pastor Sudman, Pastor Dibaj. Um, If you check their names in Google, you see they, they had the same story. Pastor Debaj was in prison um, because of his faith, and Pastor Haig was um, advocating for him. And because of the international pressures, they had to release Pastor Debaj, But after that, they uh, killed both of them.
0: Got it. Um, this is fascinating, uh, really fascinating. I want to take another really quick break, and then I want to come back and I want to pivot. Or We haven't spoken about Israel yet, and I always say in my introduction that we're going to give you a window to look through about aspects of life, and I want to take it through that window, but let's come back in just a moment. Do you have children or know somebody who does? If the answer is yes, you need to hear this this year in celebration of israel's 75th anniversary the genesis 1-2-3 foundation has launched an incredible art contest for your children and christian children all around the world the contest what israel means to me gives your children the opportunity to show why israel is special to them through art they can draw paint color or illustrate this in any way they want the contest will be judged according to different age groups with real prizes awarded to the winners. Please visit whatisraelmeans to mecom for details, contest rules, and how to register your child. Deadline for submission of all entries is in April, and the announcement of winners will be at a live event on May 14th. Please don't delay in registering your child, and please share this with others who will also want their children to participate. Visit whatisraelmeans to mecom and join us today. Okay, so Marzi, when you were talking before about distributing Bibles, you were very clear to say it was New Testament. Did you not have copies of the Old Testament? Did you not know the history that that was the foundation for the New Testament?
1: Of course I have. I have... um the new testaments and old testaments both i read both books and but for distributing the bible since it was difficult to carry um, uh, the, the whole, whole bible it yeah. was very thick and heavy but um the new testaments was very small um, sure. i have one i can show you it was that size yeah, that it's, this is it's my like the
0: size uh, of a phone
1: yeah, but this thicker. is the whole um uh, Bible that I have, but still uh, this is heavier than this. And the one that we had, this is included um Psalms and uh, a few other books, but the, the New Testaments that we had, it was a smaller even smaller than this. Interesting. So that's that's why it was easier for us to carry um Got it. these Bibles.
0: Okay. So you grew up in Iran, albeit as a troublemaker. Uh, not necessarily as a muslim although practicing islamic islamic rules and there's a paradox because everything that you grew up knowing about jews and israel at least hearing from in, in the public was hostile was negative israel was the enemy was the small satan and and you would have presumably no reason not to believe that but when you become a christian your your relationship with god you've you've used that example a number of times you have a relationship with god and it's it's completely different from islam and because it's rooted in the bible you now suddenly have a relationship with the jewish people what was that transformation like
1: to me it wasn't just uh after you know i became a christian um from uh from uh my childhood i remember At school, they forced children uh, to uh, say death to America and death to Israel before attending classes. And uh, they indoctrinated and brainwashed uh, kids from childhood that America and Israel are our enemies. That's horrible. But praise God, I never had such attitude uh, toward Americans, Israeli, anyone, because, you know, because of um, my parents who always shared great stories with me about their uh, friends, their Western friends before the revolution. And also my uh, parents and my father's relatives were living in the United States and every time. Um, one of them married an American woman and, um, they would travel sometimes to Iran. And I, I always heard good, um, stories and, um, um, and, and also from my relatives. Uh, that's why I didn't have such attitude toward, um, America and Israel. But I was witness that how they were brainwashing ch- children from a very young age. And that's horrible to indoctrinated uh, kids and planting hate in the hearts of um, those little kids against other people. As, as you know, it's in the Bible, and it's a, a Persians and Jews has rich history together. Uh, Cyrus the Great was the king that um, released many Jews um, uh, when they were in captivity in Babylon and yes. they were uh, serving Nebuchadnezzar for um, 70 years. And when Cyrus the Great, he came to power, he released Jews uh, to go back to um To Jerusalem and to build their city and he not only released them from captivity but also he gave back all the vessels whatever has been taken from them to them he helped them to restore their honor and um, other you know stories there are many stories in bible in the history like uh, King uh, Darius. Uh, Darius was another king who helped jews to build the second holy temple and queen esther was um in iran she 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 helped uh to you know save many jews and um iranian ordinary iranian people honestly do not have any problem uh, with um, Jewish people with um, there were many Jews before the revolution you know that they were living in Iran and right after the revolution when Khomeini came to power he started um, killing um, many um, dissidents and everyone who were against them like you know the first Jews uh, if I um, remember correctly his name was um, Habib al uh, he was the head of Jewish community in Iran and rough, a few months, um, four months after the revolution, the supreme leader of Iran sentenced him to execution and they hanged him. He had only 20 minutes trial. That's wow. horrible. And um, many people, many Jews, you know, left the country after the revolution. Yeah, and everyone. Um, it's not just Jews. Jews, as I said, every uh, religious minorities are, are getting persecuted after the revolution in Iran. I forgot what I was supposed to share. Yeah, no, you're my sharing. Experience. You're sharing
0: very well. That's great. That's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm saying that. Um, you know, um, Persian and Jews always. Uh, had a um rich history together. Yes, yes. And even though the, the Islamic Republic regime tried to demonize um Jewish Jews uh, to people, but they were not successful. Uh, except a minority of radical Muslims who follow these um criminal uh, leaders of Iran. Uh, ordinary people do not have such attitude and you see that you know for many years they forced people and they brainwashed children to burn the flag of America to burn the flag of Israel but now you see people are awakening and since the revolution the second revolution started in Iran after the deaths of uh, Mahsa Amini who was brutally beaten to death um Um, People, you you see that it's been many years that people uh, notice that their true enemy is not America and Israel. Their true enemy is the Islamic Republic regime, and they are setting fire to their flag, and uh, they are refusing to put a step on American or Israeli's flag anymore. And uh, that's a great um, a awakening that it's happening in Iran and because the young generation, the new generation, they have access to internet and they could you know have um, interaction with the whole world, they read the history and um they noticed all these lies and they were not successful to uh, demonize Americans and Israelis to Iranian people. So Iranian why? people are very hospitable, kind yeah. people, they always love foreigners.
0: What do you think? I was gonna ask you about this with the protests that have now been going on for several months. What do you think is going to happen and what do you want to see happen?
1: Um what's is happening, I think the whole world is um saying what's happening since uh the revolution started in September after the horrible uh death of Mahsa. I mean, She was a Kurdish girl. Um, you know, I had a Bad experience in prison, they executed my best friend. She was a kurdish uh, uh, girl amazing girl. she was against the regime. They brutally tortured her brutally for months and finally they hanged her i I was witness to um um you know violations of human rights to the tortures of many people and because i was in prison for 9 months and i could see with my own eyes how they torture people how and um, they kill people how they execute them how they abuse them sexually i was witness to all of these things uh, from the beginning that I got arrested and Masa Amini was in the same jail um, that I was for 14 days. And it's a dungeon. It's not a cell. It's a horrible place that you cannot see the light. You don't have fresh water to drink. Uh, you have to sleep on a cold concrete floor. Uh, mm. When I was there, we had to uh, cover ourselves with wet blankets that were soaked mm. in urine. And oh, um, oh. horrible things that I shared in my both books uh, about what happened. Um, but you know, after, you know, uh, killing Mahsa Amini, a big, um, uprising started, uh, which led to revolution. This is a revolution uh, led by women and supported by men. And the reason that we say that this revolution is more about women, because as I shared, uh, I'm a woman. I experienced the same things as a woman living uh, in Iran under the harsh uh, rules of Islamic, um, Islamic harsh uh, dictates of Islamic rules. And that's why I know how it is like. And they started, you know, after that, this, the uprising started. They started killing, um, um, many people, arresting many. Women, many um, students, they uh, shoot at many uh, uh, people, many people lost their eyes. Uh, many horrible things uh, are happening. And this time is truly different because, you know, in 2009, when I was in prison, it was During the Green Movement, it was about election fraud. And again, in 2019, there was another um, uh, protest. Uh, It was more about um, economy, about um, the price of the gas. But this time is um, truly different because people are uh, saying that uh, enough is enough. They are fed up with this Islamic regime and they are saying no to the Islamic regime. They are demanding democracy and regime change. They don't want this regime anymore. And they are saying that we will die for freedom. We will not stop. And we we can see that it's been months that people, they arrested like um, twenty thousands people are in prisons. And the numbers that you get from news, honestly, it's not a right number. I can tell you I was in prison. The number much more is much more than this. Um, based on the news and statistics of uh, 500 people, 700 people, uh, got killed in different ways. And, um, 50 people in prisons are expecting to be hanged. And five of them, they, they have already hanged uh, by the Islamic Republic regime and they killed many children and, um, They rape women in prisons and some of those stories that Western medias like uh, CNN shared that how they rape girls in prisons and horrible things are, are is happening right now in Iran, it's a revolution and people are demanding democracy and freedom, they are not going to stop. And the world needs to stop to stand with Iranian people Mm. with solidarity because this time is different. And Iranian people are not fighting against their own enemies. This regime is the enemy of the whole world. And they are fighting against our mutual enemy. Yes. And uh, they are saving the whole world. And we need to stand with, with them. We need to support them. Um, I believe when you know there is a, an opportunity to cut the head of uh, the evil we need to take that opportunity and that's the best opportunity that we can help Iranian people to cut the head of this yes. evil well, and because, because they do not have the blood of uh, only the blood of Iranians on their hands they have the blood of Americans, Israelis Uh, western people middle eastern people they are expanding terrorism in the middle east if we wanted to have a stable region we need to help iranian people to get rid of this regime
0: well we'll pray for that my
1: hope as you ask my hope and my dream is that one day iran became a free country and we became strong allies with israel and america right like you know before the revolution sure. in 1979
0: so thank you so my my last question um you meant we mentioned before you were excited when we were communicating by email that i'm here in israel you talked about coming to israel and how you really pray that that will happen why why is that significant to you
1: that's um to me you know i When you read Bible, um, Jesus was uh, there and it's a holy land to me. And uh, that was my dream from my childhood to visit that holy land. But I never wanted, you know, since I became an American citizen, I could take a ticket and uh, uh, visit Israel. But I never wanted to be just my decision. I wanted to wait for specific time that god wanted me to visit that uh, great country and um that's a holy place to me and um jewish people israeli people are chosen people by god and i really respect that and i wanted to uh, visit that on uh, this uh, great land
0: well uh, that's that's very meaningful and as you're saying that it gave me an answer. I I I'm kind of an action person, and I'm thinking like maybe God put us together, partly for to potentially make that happen. And I'd love to have you here and host you. But I'm thinking what would be really, um, especially significant, is that if you were to come here, not this year, it's only in a few weeks, but next year to celebrate the holiday Purim, when we celebrate oh. Queen Esther and 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 the saving of the Jewish people who ah. were in Persia at that time. I think that that would be really, really meaningful. Um, but you and I will communicate and get you here one way or the other.
1: Yeah, I I really like to visit uh, Israel. Uh, I know by doing that interview with you, I, uh, I would be considered by the Islamic Republic regime and spy. <laughs> From now on, I'm spying and even visiting uh, Israel. You know, it's going to be like, you know, uh mark me as a spying for israel you know that but i don't care it's uh (laughs) i mean i'm living in a free country and uh i would love to visit uh your country
0: good well marzi i look forward to that happening i'm so grateful for you joining me today and and being a guest on run uh inspiration from zion and i look forward to uh, first of all everybody go and buy marzi's two books uh I had it in front of me. Tell tell us, what are the titles of your books?
1: Uh, Captive in Iran is just about um, nine months being in prison. Uh, And um, my friend and I wrote this book together, and we shared lots of stories. Um, It's not just our story that what happened to us. We also shared lots of other stories about prisoners in order to be their voices and to show to the world that what's happening in Iranian prisons And my second book, A Love Journey with God, um, I shared my whole story because I felt I need to fill the gap because many people had questions, uh, how I could stand, uh, on my faith in the face of execution by hanging. And I felt I need to share my whole story that God took me to many difficulties, pain, sufferings, poverty, and he built my faith on by taking me yes. to all those difficulties.
0: Well, thank you for sharing some of that today and I look forward to this relationship continuing and uh, pray that many people will listen, share and then go go out and buy your book. Um speaking of books, um actually I we always end our episodes with a special offer for over a year now we've been offering every one of our listeners an opportunity to receive a special volume. We call it from Jonathan's bookshelf. And all we ask is that our listeners do is follow inspiration from Zion on social media. And when you comment and share the link to this program, we give out a special book each month. And this, this month we're doing the amazing thing again. Uh, as it happens, I just sent a book to somebody in Vietnam, from, ah. from uh, yeah that he was he was the listener and he won the book and i'm so excited it was very very interesting because when i went to the post office here in israel the guy didn't even know how to spell vietnam in hebrew nor did i so we had to figure that out because as he was looking it up on the computer but yes we actually go and send the books out so please follow inspiration from zion and comment and share and, uh, the link to this program. We're always grateful that this uh, podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. If you're ever in the area, definitely pop in and thank them for helping make programs like this possible. And also special thanks to the Coyne family for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and build bridges. And because of the nature of the episode and because of the anniversary of the Iranian revolution and what's happening with the new revolution in Iran, this episode I choose to have sponsored in honor of all of the brave people like Marzi who fought and those who are continuing to fight today for their own freedom. And I pray that that will uh, be soon. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion or a or a God-fearing troublemaker like our guest today, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion@gmail.com. at We'd love to hear your comments always as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions, especially questions you have about Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here As we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else, wherever you are in the world, especially if you're in Iran, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy, and send my blessings from right here in the Judean Mountains. God bless you.
1: God bless you, Jonathan.